0: Welcome to the Martial Arts Marketing for School Owner Podcast, where professional school owners gather to hear the latest info on how to run their schools like a pro. Join Gus Lopez of Lead Hunter Media and Ali Alberigo of Li Ninjitsu Centers for another episode. Now, here's your hosts, Gus and Ali. Yeah,
1: definitely. But I'm excited about today's uh call. Today's podcast, uh, we will be talking about um the retention i know that's yeah. something that was very crucial during this you know covid times that just passed and even now like if you can uh double somebody's uh, student's retention you can possibly you know double the amount of revenue and you know you don't have to do a lot of a lot more work um, yeah so let's let's go ahead and if you want to kind of get us started on that
0: yeah of course like for me i i have a saying that says retention is marketing right so like for example um if I'm coaching or I'm speaking or I'm at a a seminar, people will ask me questions like, how do I get more students? You know, and that's the biggest, most common question, because we always look at front loading the bucket. And I mean, a bucket, think of a bucket hanging from a string um, and it's filled with water, but there are many holes in the bucket and you pour the water in the top of the bucket fast. It fills up and then you go to the lake to get more water. By the time you come back, because of those holes, all those, the water has drained out of the bucket, right? So um, that's one analogy. You know, the other analogy people talk about in our industry is, you know, lock the back door, you know, let them in the front door, but lock the back door because they're going in through the front, leaving out through the back. Before you know it, you're down on students. So whenever I coach, I'm, I'm always asking a few stats for my school owners that I coach and I always say give me a 2 minute snapshot how many people joined this month how many people quit this month how many people renewed this month um you know and uh, then we're able to calculate you know whether it's a trajectory of growth or it's stagnant straight or it's a decline and i think the biggest issue you and i probably you know, have the same problem with your business as well, is where there's normal attrition, meaning people are quitting on a regular basis um, just because. There's there's no way around. You're going to always eventually lose clients. For me, and our in my business, the martial arts school, um, sometimes it's no fault to our own. Kids grow up, they go to college, you know, they get married, they have families, they can't make it, their job changes, they move out of state. Those are things we have no control over. But I think the biggest issue is that we do not work hard enough and long enough and focus on uh, keeping students in our school. So we're always focused on the new people coming in. Hey, Gus, run me some ads. Dude, get me, get me marketing. You do a great job at that. With my school, you're always filling the the bucket. You're always getting me new leads. And, you know, I'm not the type of guy that complains about the leads. To me, a lead is a lead is a lead. There's some people that go, well, Gus, you gave me leads, but those leads didn't sign up. So Gus, you're doing a bad job. Your needs, your leads are not a good quality. And while that might have some relevance, like if you advertise just solely in a very depressed, poor neighborhood, most likely, and we had a very high price, those people that you're targeted and marketing to may not be able to join my school. But you're not doing that. You're sending out ads to everybody and targeting certain demographics, certain areas, certain people, you know, uh moms with kids or, you know, that stuff. Um, so if I get the lead, it's all on me, isn't it? Right? Isn't it? It's up to you. You're they're always saying, Gus, I I want more leads, Gus, these leads suck. They're poor, they're fat, they're out of shape, they're they're, you know, whatever. All right. And it's not your fault, but it's a matter of me closing the leads, correct?
1: Yeah, and it, and it all comes down to like, I think it's the the onboarding process. Like it all it all like I think that that has a lot to do with the retention as well. Um, Cause that's really when you set expectations, that's really when um, you kind of overcome all the objections. Uh, yeah. You know, a client may have like, or, or a student even may have unrealistic expectations. Like, oh, like I'm gonna lose 20 pounds in like a month or, right. you know, or for, for a client of mine, oh, I'm gonna sign up like 30 people in one month, stuff like right. that. Um, you know, although some of those things might be possible, uh we don't like to guarantee those things because it is there's so many variables to it especially when it comes to
0: uh, yeah
1: advertising and then you know obviously uh losing weight and running a school and like stuff like that so yeah um i really like to um the the first thing i think when we we're talking about retention uh you know i think the first thing we need to make clear is like giving people the right expectations um and communicating with them uh, throughout the first few months to make sure that they're they're progressing and they're uh, they're making progress and getting adjusted to the program
0: yeah so I, I was leading up to that and and with um, you know so so for me um, there are three ways to fill your school to fill the bucket right now the bucket analogy could just be leads or prospects right um, so the once they've signed up now they become students right? So most of the time we're top heavy with always looking for leads, always looking for leads. And we're focused on that side of the business, which is great. You have to do that. Um, but we sometimes don't focus on the other side of the business, which is retention. And that's why I say retention is marketing, right? So I'm going to throw out some things. I wrote some things down really like as far as stats go. So let me give you an example. If you lose, let's say you have hundred students and you lose 10% of your students every month, you're going to lose 10 students, Um, So this month I lose 10, I went from 100 to 90, right? And if I kept on going without signing any new students up, I'll be out of business within 10 months, right? Because my attrition, my quit rate, which makes it sound so much easier, my quit rate is 10%. Right. But if, I, um, if I'm growing at the same time because you are doing your job, Gus, lead hunter media marketing and, and extraordinaire, right? Um, and I'm doing, and you're doing your job and I'm bringing in, let's say, uh, 10 people a month, I'm going to be even. I'm flatlined because I lost 10, I gained 10, and I started with 100. I'll end with 100 this month. And at the end of the year, I'll still be at 100. So if I'm losing 10 a month, I have to bring in at least 15 a month, right, in order to grow. So let's say I grow positively because I'm losing 10, gaining 15, I grow by five every month. Think of how dramatic these numbers could be, even though they sound so small, that would be 60 new students, six zero new students at the end of the year right? So that's pretty massive when you think about it times, you know, whatever your tuition is, if it's a hundred dollars a month times 60 new, that's $6,000 on your income, $72,000 in additional income per year based off of your growth, right? Does that make sense so far?
1: Yeah. And, I, and one thing I'd like to add to that is like, if you have a good retention rate, then your the advertising that you spend, like the money that you spend on advertising Becomes more valuable because hell yeah. If, if your retention is, is six months and you can double that to 12 months, you just do and you can acquire a customer for a certain amount, then you basically just double the amount of money. Uh, and, and you cut your your advertising is now hell yeah, very low. Uh, because you have that, uh, you know, you have that great retention rate and you kind of uh, increase your customer lifetime value.
0: Yeah, and here's another thing too. If we go back into those statistics, right? Let's just say we lowered our uh, quit rate. We, We had lowered our attrition and we dropped our quit rate by only 3%. So that would be 10 students that normally quit. Now we're only losing seven. So we're maintaining three. So at the end of the year, three times 12, that's 36 students that are, staying in our school um, that we would have lost because we were so only focused on the to- the second portion, which is new student generation. Um, and we weren't focused on the student retention portion um, and uh, we would gain 36 students. So just imagine we're signing up a bunch, we're losing less. We're going to be at the end of the year, at maybe 60 new students that we brought in just because we lowered our retention. Uh, we raised our retention by you know, 3% or lowered our quit rate by 3%. So it went from 10 quits down to seven. So that's a major and a dramatic difference when you total the numbers at the end of the year, right? And you think about that, you, you kind of ask yourself and I bet you many school owners are saying, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. But my question to those school owners, here's the golden nugget that we're sharing is, what are you doing? To raise your retention? Like what are you focused on today that makes your students stay longer? And you mentioned a few little things before when you started talking about this. You said, you know, communication, et cetera, et cetera. And I have a whole list that I'll rattle off of things we could be doing. Um, but w- what are your thoughts on that as well? You know, how, and by the way, you're you're actually doing this in your own business where you do um, martial art marketing and you help people. Um, And a lot of times people will come to you and we talked about it and say, hey, the leads are not a good quality. So you and I have spoken in the past so how do we understand why people are not focused on, like a, a business owner that hired you, why are they not focusing on how to sign leads up? How to have better um, better percentages of people coming in the door? How to take them on a tour of the facility and sell them and pre-sell them and how to get them to commit to programs? That's where school owners need to get better, right? That's important. You know, if, if you're good at those things, then- any lead that comes through the door will sign up, even if they can't afford it, they'll find a way to do it.
1: Yeah, I think the biggest issue is like uh people are just thinking of Facebook ads as like a website lead or a lead that comes from Google Ads that is like searching for martial arts already, you know. So they they think it's like um they think, oh, this person is just gonna come in, I'm gonna hard pitch them on the first class, and they're gonna close. And if they don't close in the first class, then they're not interested, right? Right. Really, uh, Facebook ads is different. Like, Facebook ads is interruption marketing. Google and website, you know, SEO, that's all search marketing. So people that we get on Facebook, they might not even know that they they want martial arts, right? They might not right. even know that they want to lose weight. Uh, yeah. Really, they know it, but they're not actively taking actions to get there, right? And what we want to do is we want to get those leads, we want to nurture them, uh, and take them through our, our specific process and then convert them into new clients. And the good thing about Facebook is like we can buy as many leases as we want. You know, you can spend a million dollars on Facebook in one month and you know you can get as many leases as you want. Obviously, there's certain limits, you know, if you're a local business within the city, stuff like that. But right, right. No, you, you kind of get my point there. But um one thing that you know we're doing as a company, let's like we're we're actually um going to come up with this uh, training platform that we're going to be launching. And then we're also launching our own software, which is basically going to do the nurturing uh, and all that, that whole other process that uh, that school owners, uh, you know, it's, it's kind of time consuming. Uh, and they need to do it a specific way in order for them to actually get results. Because um, a lot of people really get frustrated with the follow up process. So, um, you know, we want to make that as easy for people as possible.
0: Yeah, as we can. Absolutely, dude, and I think this is so essential. Like, I've actually done some recent coaching calls where I have my client and their program manager on the call together, and I'm giving the program manager ideas on how they could tweak or shift their process. Right, so people come through the door, um, how to get them to join, or how to get them to come back, or how to get them to do certain things. Um, And rather than just having one technique, I'm giving them a bunch of different techniques so that they could have a better outcome. So back to retention, um, you know, I think that we could focus on that because this is a golden nugget in itself. Like imagine you're able to shift your quit rate from 10 to to seven or to six. Um, You've gained four students every month for 12 months. That's that's, you know, 48 students a year and you know just to give you numbers staggering even at low income tuition let's say you're charging 100 a month times 48 4800 a, a month at the end of the year times 12 you're looking at a total of like 60 57600 because you focused on the students that you have and worked with them. So let me throw out some really important things. So that this is important. Like the number one thing I believe, and this is a three-step process, is communication, right? We communicate, but we communicate on the surface. Hey, Mrs. Smith, how you doing? Great. How are you doing, sir? Great. Good. See you soon. It ends there. Or how's Johnny doing? Oh, Johnny loves it. Fantastic. We want to hear something positive, right? Okay. Then we move on because if we hold on to a positive, we're able to get the hell out of there, right? We've done our job. They're doing good. But we want to, I call this opening a can of worms. I quite often will say to a parent, well, that's great. I'm glad Johnny loves it. He's dressed and ready to go every day. You never have to fight with him. However, I know from experience of doing this for 30 years, that's not going to be like that forever. So here's the things I want you to keep in the back of your mind. If ever Johnny says, I don't want to go today, or he says, I'm getting bored. I want to quit. These are the things that you should be able to use as a tool to overcome those things. So preemptively, we're preparing our our clients or the parents Um, how to overcome that I want to quit, I'm bored, or I don't want to be there anymore mentality. And we also have to educate, especially if it's a child, we have to educate the parents on why we are a school, why our school is such an important part of helping their kids become productive adults, more responsible, be able to stay out of trouble, do better in school, be better at sports. By the way, most of my kids, I have a lot of kids that have turned into star athletes, professional lacrosse players, professional soccer players, professional baseball players. Um, and, uh, they equate a lot of what they've done through the martial art training. You know, like a, a lot of parents will say to me, my, my son was running and he tripped on the field and he was able to roll and just keep on going. You know, he made that, you know, he made that play or he was able to get away from X, Y, and Z. Um, so the martial arts is a big deal. So our communication network has to be top, top of our charts. Like, are we communicating if we have 100 students with every one of those students every single month? Are we talking to them about their goals, their struggles, their, their wishes, their desires, you know, we have to tap into that to make it, make it so that they understand that we're a tool that's going to benefit them. Does that make sense?
1: Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And like, um, another thing that I like to add is like, um, I was actually reading that, that book that you're reading now in your other podcast upstream. Um, and I think they had an example where, um, you know, the I think it was a software company. Correct me if I'm wrong. Maybe if you remember the story from the book. Uh, but basically, this company knew uh, when, like, when people were going to quit. When people yeah. had to made up, right. their mind, um If they were going to quit, because there's there's a time where people make up their mind that they're going to quit. Yeah. And then when they actually quit. Right. So uh, this company was able to identify uh, when people were were just pretty much done, right? And what yeah. caused that? And then they were able to go back and build systems to prevent that, um, and they can probably increase their retention rate. Yeah, uh, you know, just from that. So, uh, what would what would you say? Um, you know, if a school owner wanted to do that process, I know obviously a lot of the stuff is preventing from the very beginning. But what are some other things that, are, or maybe some some tips that school owners can do to identify these? Uh, these kind of um,
0: Pit, like, pitfalls.
1: Yeah. yeah. So here yeah, I have
0: three, three stories. I'll tell you quickly. One of them is from the book upstream, um, and it's about two brothers, I, I'm paraphrasing, they're standing on the shore of, the, of a lake and they see a kid drowning. And the one brother jumps in, swims out, saves the kid and brings him to the beach or, the, or the, the, you know, the grounds. And then all of a sudden the other brother looks out and there's another kid drowning. So he swims out and by the time he gets him in, there's another kid drowning. So he jumps back in and he gets the kid and he sees his brother like running up the, the beach up to the start and and he says, what are you doing? I might need more help. I can't do this all myself. He says, I'm helping you. I'm gonna go find out who's throwing these kids in the water or how they're falling in the water. So he's running upstream to correct the problem rather than us just kind of dealing with the problem. And by the way, this is super important. Um, That's like us filling the bucket with new students to, to overcome the losses of students that we had without focusing on the retention. So that's why this book Upstream to me has been life-changing. I just really loved it. It's phenomenal. It was recommended by my friend who we've had on our show, Solomon Brenner, um, and uh, he recommended and I immediately read it because he's a super intelligent guy and runs a great school. I'm like, wow, if he liked it, I'm going to like it, right? So here's two personal stories. One story is at one point I looked at and analyzed all my students. And I noticed that the majority of my students, a small amount of them quit like around the yellow green belt level, which was like after about a year, they've done their year and they're up for renewal and they were quitting. Some of them were quitting, some of them renewed and so on. Then I noticed that a big attrition rate where my, my students, I, I was very top heavy on white, yellow, green, and then it started to drop and tick down to blue belt. But there was a big drop between purple and brown belt level. So I said to myself, like, man, what the heck's happening? You know, in my mind, I wanted to justify going, well, people are just not going to, not everyone's meant to be a black belt. You know, they're they're all losers if they can't make it past that level. But then I realized that I'm being stupid. And I realized that that's the dumbest way to think. I needed to think strategically to find out what was stopping them. I wanted to go upstream and find out why they weren't staying. So I, I interviewed people. I sent out a questionnaire. And I found out that around the purple belt level where people would drop off, there was two things happening. One, it's become regular for them. They're getting bored. It's the routine. So that's one portion. And the second thing was that they lost a little bit of their motivation because they've been coming for so long, right? So it's not as fresh and new. It's like a relationship. We meet our girlfriend in a nightclub and they're the hottest thing ever. And we we date for a while and we just love them to death. Everything they do is the best. They snort. They they laugh. They tell stupid jokes. We're Like, oh, it's so cute. And then after two years, we're like, oh my God, not the same snort, not the same stupid joke. You know, my fiance, Nicole, I joke, she goes, you, you use that joke like 30 times. I go, I'm not going to stop using it. You better just start appreciating it again. Right. You know, like that's just me. Right. But um, now we get, which is called complacency. So now they're at the level of complacency. And then this is the kicker. We would throw this massive bocata on top of it. That was very, It appeared to be very frustrating for school owners. Right. I mean, for students, Um, because it was longer and had all these new routines that they've never learned. And then I'd say and they're like, yeah, and I can't get the bocata, you know, and and they would just that would be the tipping point where they would quit. So we went in back and we said, how can we fix this? And we broke the bokata up into four different individual small sections. And then we started teaching two of those sections at the green, one section at green, one section at blue. So by the time they got to Purple Belt, all they had to do was learn two of the sections. And then we implemented a lot of really cool, exciting things and a mindset of what a Purple Belt should be thinking about, about the pride in the belt and the achievements that you've made and how great you're doing. And we started to see this tick upward. And then we noticed it was like three or four small little things that all we had to do was tweak and change. And we saw the enrollment. Now I was like, you know, top heavy and it went down a little, but then it started to tick back up again. So, of course, in turn, I had more purple belts stay. So then they became more brown belts. And then eventually we did the same concept and and thought process with brown to get them through to black belt. So. that was a big thing. We had to do a lot of research and a lot of, you know, figuring out. And I did this, my, my other story that I said, I was going to say was with one of my clients where we analyzed their quit rate. And we noticed that they were losing people between like the white and yellow belt. That was the majority. Like if they lost 200 students, it was like 180 of them were in that pocket. So I, here's a concept, check this out. So 180 students, let's just say times a hundred dollars, right? Over the course of the year, that's $18,000 a month, right? Massive money. So I said, that's like 200 something thousand dollars a year. Um, I said, why don't you hire someone? Pay them 25 grand a year, 30 grand a year. I don't care. And have them only focused on those students that they're like a personal concierge of those students so that they could push them through that, that time period, talk to them, overcome their objections, keep them motivated, send them motivational cards, give them calls, heck go to their house and high five them. And then just leave, just saying, you know, like little silly little things, because the loss was 180,000, you pay a 30, $40,000 salary. You're still going to make 140 grand, that you would have never made because you didn't pay attention to the hole in the bucket. Um, and you didn't go upstream. Does that make sense?
1: Yeah. And I feel like a lot of people would say, Oh, 30, they'll be focusing on the 30 grand. Right. We're going to be focusing on the 200, you know, 50, 50 grand that they lost that year.
0: So and- Exactly, crazy, right? So, so that's where we have to be. You know that I remember when I grew up, my mom had a saying that said, "You know, you're uh, penny wise and dollar foolish." It was something like that. Was one of the sayings, you know. Um, You know, I always worried about the pennies, but I didn't understand that at the end. Or I always worried about the initial dollar. I forget how it goes. And then at the end of the year, those pennies added added up to dollars, right? So it's the same thing where where we have a bucket. If we're able to lower our attrition, the quit rate. Um, just from 10 to seven, it's going to be massive. So if we take more time and we work on the systems that are helping your school grow and continually marketing at the same time, just imagine the massive influx. And by the way, I always say to my clients, you know, a school grows one student at a time. We'd all like to have 30 new members this month, 30 new members that month. But to be honest, if we grew at that speed and we didn't have the infrastructure, we wouldn't be able to handle it at the end of the year. And our attrition would bounce way higher and we'd lose so many people. Um, So we have to grow at a smaller rate or, or, or grow at the rate that we have systems set up to handle that amount of growth right does that make sense
1: yeah so how um so now let me ask you this for for the listeners um how do you go how do you get started because there's so many components to these systems you know and I, I know some people might not even have any any type of system so like you know how, how do we get started without you know getting overwhelmed with these systems
0: okay that's a, a great question and um and I'm going to give you the three top things that I think you need. Number one is communication, right? The second one is going to be an um, amazing service. And but when I say service, um, you can have customer service, you can have systems, you can have all this stuff. But if your classes suck, then you're going to lose students too. So I think that many and and I and I know this is going to kind of tick some people off, but at the same time, I think many school owners are not good teachers. Now, they might not agree, but like it's like literally watching, I've been to schools and watched schools teach and it was like literally watching paint dry. It was the most torturous thing. Uh, I have friends that are unbelievably talented, deadly fighters and martial artists and champions and UFC fighters. And sometimes they teach seminars even. I couldn't imagine them teaching on a regular basis because their seminars were boring. They couldn't even get their point across. They didn't know how to teach. Then I've had people that I've watched that were not the most talented, but taught them unbelievable. So of course, the second most important thing is amazing service. And when I say service, that encompasses teaching on the floor, being charismatic. Now, what do you do with someone who has no charisma? Um, You either take them out of the position. They could be the owner, but they have no charisma with kids. They just can't teach kids. Well, hire a kid's instructor that has charisma and is dynamic or learn how to be a better instructor. Take your time. It's like a craft. Like for example, I, I'm playing guitar again. I've been playing guitar my whole life, but I literally forgot how to play guitar. And now I'm taking weekly lessons with the lead guitarist of white snake. His name is Joel Holger. He plays with trans Siberian orchestra. And the dude is the most amazing guitarist I've ever seen. So I'm like, who could I learn for? And it was my bucket list to learn from, from an amazing person. But, um, he's kind of takes me through the process. And, and it's the funniest thing is like, it's almost like everything is still in my head and it's slightly unlocking every week. Like I'm going like, Oh, I remember that. I, I and Oh yeah, that, that's what that, you know, and it, it's kind of opening up. So you have to go in and get mentorship. If you're, if you have no charisma, take an acting class and learn how to have charisma. If you have no, um no uh speaking skills, Take a public speaking class or you don't even have to leave your house. You could do this all. By the way, 90% of it, you could find great tips from a million people selling courses and you could just steal tips from everybody and get better just by doing that. Spend some time every day becoming better at your craft. Now, that's the quick and easy way, you know, to say it. But um, so the, num- the number two thing is be amazing at what you do and have amazing customer service. The third thing is learn how to develop personal relationships to hit your goal. You know, Mrs. Jones doesn't care that her kid with ADD is uh, has ADD and that's why he's not learning. She wants you to teach her kid. She doesn't care that you're doing well with 20 other kids. She wants her kid to be able to benefit. And do you blame her? She signed up at your school for her child. She didn't sign up so that the mass of the kids could get good um, and her kid could sit back and watch it. Like, if that's why a kid they put him on a baseball team and the kid sits on the bench, like, they they want their kid to play, they don't care if he sucks. And, and I get And I get that mentality. I really do, because why else should I put them in the sport if the team is going to be so selective? They should have a team for kids that are probably a league that kids are not that talented or they somehow the coach incorporates that kid into the game, even if it's for a little bit of time and works with them and coaches them. And so they get better. So it's about building relationships and knowing what the person wants, that woman. Um, that came for self-defense. Why? Like, what's the reason? What could I do? There's a TV show, and I was just telling my friend before we got on the call, there's a TV show called New Amsterdam. It's a medical show that's on television. The doctor is the head of the hospital. He has a saying, which I've adopted in my school, and he says, what can I do to help? It's like a parent says, um, my kid has ADD and I'm like, well, what could I do to help you? Like, what would be something that you would want to achieve? What, what could I do to help? And they're like, well, my kid's not doing that well. Well, what can I do to help? Well, maybe if you put a little bit more time or you did a little bit of this, or you gave them a little bit of encouragement. Now look at the depth of that relationship. It went from being just a surface relationship of me teaching their kid and then being kind of semi-unhappy to me being the the person that's gonna become the mentor for that child, right? And I'm not telling you techniques to be disingenuous and fake. I'm telling you these techniques to be real so that you could do these things for your students. And that's what's gonna throw the retention through the roof because who's gonna wanna quit a place where somebody in their heart of hearts is trying to help my kid be a better person, like really trying to help them, not just injecting them into a program that's not working, But literally spending time with my kid to make sure that they're achieving the goals that I want for that child. Does that does that make sense?
1: Yeah, and I feel like that's a golden nugget right there. It's like identifying what what a student wants at the very beginning, you know, because if you're if you're pushing martial arts or you're and and, you know the person is just trying to get in shape, uh yeah, martial arts is a part of it, but they they just wanna they wanna get to their goal, right? So yeah, vice, vice versa. Uh, you know, maybe people don't care about getting in shape. They just want to be able to defend themselves. Right. So, um, you got to identify what their goals are. And then, uh, like you said, kind of keep tabs on them. Hey, how are you progressing through this? Yeah. Um, once people know that, that, that you care about their specific goal, um, then, you know, they're going to stay with you forever. Um, if you do it right. So, yeah. And and
0: that's true, though. And, And you know what? Also, the other thing that I can tell you that's a very important thing to learn is that you have to somehow get in the students, parents and students head so that they buy into. And I don't mean that in a very sneakily way. I mean, they have to believe in what you do enough so that if the kid says, I want to quit, they're like, that's not happening, dude you're not quitting. I don't give a crap. Like I had parents that years ago would go, you're not gonna quit until you get black, but I made that decision now. I know you're only four and it's gonna take eight years. You got eight more years to go. So shut your mouth and get to class. But nowadays everything's like, I don't wanna push my child. I don't wanna hurt their feelings. I don't wanna make them do things they don't wanna do. I'm like, they're three, they're four, they're six you make them do things every single day that they don't want to do. Brush their teeth, eat their food, go to bed on time, take a bath. If not, why don't you just throw them in a room with a cigar and a bottle of scotch and say, get at it, man. You're four. You know what you want. Like, you know, try it out. Who gives a crap, right? But parents don't realize that just by pushing their kids to do things that they should do, it's not going to make their kids hate them. In fact, every single kid that's been pushed to black belt in my school wrote this heartwarming speech at the end thanking their parents and me for being so hard on them and getting them to this point where they would have quit a long time ago. They never say I became an axe murderer because you were on top of me or I became a stripper or you know a drug addict because you cared about me and you watched over me and you helped motivate me and you kept me going. Right. So these are the things that people forget. So Again, it goes back to that third component, which is that relationship. And by the way, I communicate with all my students through my software that I use, which is Spark, um, Spark membership. I communicate with them on a daily basis. I communicate with all my new students. I, I And I might not communicate with everyone on a day-to-day basis, but throughout the week, I've reached out to talk to um, and during class, if I've spoken to them, or if I said hi to the mom in the parking lot, I made a notation that I talked to that person so I don't text them. But sometimes I'll text them and say, oh, that was funny how your kid did blah, blah, blah. Like, and just that enough. Like one of the dads, I said, I'm sorry I communicate too much. He says, that's the reason why we're at your school because you care enough to communicate. And, and it's not just a school where I just drop my kid off. Right. Does that make sense?
1: Yeah. Yeah. That makes perfect sense. It's like that, that relationship and loyalty that you build, because like, I'm sure there's like plenty of other schools that they can go to. Maybe they can even get a cheaper rate, but right. you with know, that loyalty and that, that personal uh, relationship. It's like, it's worth it to pay more to get more from you and actually have somebody that cares, yeah, about your success, you know, and, that, and that's something that we've been trying to to do. Like we've been trying to increase that, doing doing that with our company, and I'm sure. Uh, you know, that, that's going to uh, really increase the retention as well.
0: Yeah. And, and by the way, there's this, I'll, I'll talk about customer service and things you could do to have a better customer service, but I'll also talk about, you know, I had an article, if you guys want, just text me, I'll get, I'll, I'll post it or I'll send you a link to it called okay. opening no, up. A, we'll post it. What's that?
1: For the listeners comment below, um, you know, if you want it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, yeah, and uh, one of the articles was called "Opening a Can of Worms," not being afraid to talk about things before they happen, et cetera, et cetera. The other thing that I wanted to talk about too was that when, um, you know, when we're in a customer service funnel, we have to learn like when it's time to do damage control or repair the situation or to see warning signs, like going upstream to figure out when people are happy. Like you said, that one software company they knew they quit after eight months, and then they 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 didn't cancel their membership until 12 months. Um, It's like you, Gus, too, with your people that you do marketing with. Sometimes they'll wait and wait and wait, and then they're done you know, and I once learned from a woman that was very insightful. She said, guys are a little bit different. Guys wanna break up with a girl. They'll, they'll they'll break up with her and say, I'm breaking up with you. I'm not happy. And the girl will go, no, that's not a good idea. Let's work on it. And the guy's like, okay. You know, guys are a little different that way. We're easily, uh, you know, we're easily manipulated into changing our minds. But women seem very much more strategic. And I know I might be generalizing, so I apologize. I don't wanna sound sexist. But women seem to have thought about it beforehand and have calculated all the steps that once they break up with you, they're done. Just like today I'm breaking up with you. They've already got their stuff packed. They have an apartment rented. They have a mover coming. Like they've already calculated all this stuff out. Well, that's how clients are at times as well. They're thinking about it, thinking about it, thinking about it, boom, I'm up for renewal. Yeah, we're not gonna continue, right? Because they've thought about it strategically. So what we have to do is find out where, and by the way, I have a thing that we do it, for all of our new students, it's called it's and people know of it in the industry, but I've kind of went much further. Two four six eight, ten week calls where we call people and we talk to them, well, we're not just talking to them, we're actually talking to them about the can of worms. you know, what happens if Johnny doesn't want to go? What, how do they get their belts? you know, commonly asked questions. and we do this all the way through the eight months. So we're talking to them about all these things and training them how to think and what to look for and why we're such a good school and why the benefits are endless. So then three months later, we're asking them to renew. They've already been through this process and they're, hopefully they're super happy. And if they aren't, we've already had a conversation about it because we have this process in place, right?
1: So so let's put, let's put everything together, right? Because I know it's a lot of info and uh, we want to make sure that, uh, you know, kind of like everybody gets like a bird eye view of everything and how to start implementing everything. So yeah, it was, you know, give us a little summary and like a step one, step two. Uh,
0: well, I will, I'll give you some steps to customer service, right? So my, my concept of customer so service like, is simple like this. It's a, you know, within any business, there are always procedures and systems that are imperative to the growth to make sure that your school is running professionally and, and your customer service orientated, right? So um, I used to sell this on my monthly program, which I no longer do, which it sounds to me like the industry probably could use it right now. It's supposed to take it to the next level.com. Um, and we prou- prided ourselves in um, you know, developing systems that school owners could easily adapt and use in their school. Um, and it was like a three-prong three or three-step approach. It was high profit, of course, selling your programs at what you're worth, high quality, which is the most important thing in low stress, right? We don't want to have a business where we're stressing out all the time. Yes, the money may be good, but you're so stressed, you're not going to enjoy your life. You're going to die of a heart attack or something like that. So we wanted to educate our clients on this whole customer service funnel. So number one was identifying issues before or as they're happening. Number two was establishing communication and setting an appointment to talk in person, Or on the phone or sit down in the office to overcome those issues, right? Number three was discussing issues in depth and deciding on a desired solution. Like, okay, Mrs. Jones, Johnny wants to quit. What are we gonna do? Like I had a parent where this kid, I don't wanna say he was a nightmare because he was just, he was a he was a good kid and I really liked him, but he just didn't listen in class. Always was out speaking over the instructors, falling down on the floor, doing so many things that he shouldn't have been doing. And we talked about it. I punished him. I didn't give him rewards. I, I praised him in class. And um, I did everything that I had in my toolbox. And then when I met with the parent, I said, what are you going to do if he goes home and he hasn't listened in class? And he was very disrespectful. She goes, oh, I'll take away his snacks. And I said, okay, so you're going to take away his snacks. What are his snacks? Well, I usually give him candy and Pop-Tarts and and I, maybe I won't let him play on his iPad. I go, that that's going to be his punishment. That's what you're going to do to make his behavior better. Right then and there, I knew that I couldn't fix the parent and they weren't going to help me fix the child. They were just hoping that I would fix them all on my own, but I had no support at home. So I only had him three days a week for 45 minutes. What could I do in less than three hours, Right. So I, I decided with the continual disruption and all that stuff to tell the kid that he can't train anymore and we'll we'll revisit it in like three or four months if he's matured and his attitude has changed. And the mom was like, OK, like it didn't really matter to her. Like it didn't really seem like it was that big of a deal. So that reinforced my decision because. He was taking more time than 20 kids in a class, causing those kids not to, they actually would say, oh my God, that so and sos not here today. Yay. Like the class would say that because they were tired of his antics. They just wanted to learn and train. The bulk of all the kids couldn't stand when he was there because he was such a disruption. So going back to those things is knowing and discussing and coming up with some sort of solution, a desired solution at the end. And here's the thing that most people don't do is they don't set a follow-up date. They don't set a time to follow up to make sure, like I said, in four months, we're going to go back over and see if this kid could come back and then maybe do an interview. And I will follow up with them in four months and see how he's acting. And if he's the same and the mom says, nah, he hasn't improved, I'll be like, okay, get back to me when, when you're ready, right? But I want to always have a date, a time of of you know review to see how things are progressing. Does that make sense with the follow-up time?
1: Yeah. And, and it only takes one app order to rot the whole bunch. Right. So, right. I, I, I was, um, I read the book, you know, so many times the four hour work week. And, uh, he, you know, he talks a lot about figuring out where the most of your stress comes from, right? Like right. most of your stress might come from like 20% uh, of the students that you currently have. So right. and once you get to a certain position, um, you also want to kind of, have to let some people go yeah um, or and also kind of monitor uh the people that you're bringing in and making sure that they're they're not going to be you know a pain because um one one student can kind of cause all the stress for you um, and it's very unnecessary when you can be using that focus to your
0: business. Yeah. I had a, I had a parent once that was just anything I asked him to do. He always fought me on it. Like I'd say, wear your uniform and for spite, he just would make sure she's forgot something Her his daughter. Um, and he just hated me for some reason, but he wanted to be in my school, which just makes no sense to me. You know, I, I I like your school, but I don't like you. I mean, he said that to me once and I'm like, you know, I don't know. So finally when I kicked him out of the school, I mean, this is many, many, many years ago. I've had you know, I've been doing this for 30 years, so I have stories about some negative people over my lifetime, right? But anyway, when I finally kicked them out of the school and the people heard about that, they, um, the lobby of parents started like a clap. Like literally, I heard Mrs. So and so, Mr. So- and, so. and and then everyone was like, it was like the whole, it was the funniest thing that everyone was clapping. Thank God they were like high fiving me almost, like because I made that. They were tortured by this person sitting in the lobby, being negative, saying and spewing toxin every day. Oh yeah, look at what they're doing. Look at that. Oh, there's dust in the corner. Like the guy was just a toxic ball of of energy. So so sometimes that destroys. The, the culture within the school. So we have to cut that. It's like if you had cancer, you don't keep a piece of it and cut it out and keep a piece of it in. You get rid of everything with large margins around it. So there's no chance of any of it being left in the body. Um, we have to get rid of those cancers sometimes in our school. But back to back to the positive stuff, Gus, I think that it's a matter of setting up um, you know, a follow-up time. And then the last and final thing is making sure that the resolution is complete and the client is happy. And then and only then can we move on to having a normal relationship. That's when it comes to customer service where issues have come up. Those are the five steps to customer service. So if you want, I'll just quickly read it again so people could jot it down. So number one, of course, the the three top things to customer service and building your brand and having a great you know, company is a communication. The second is amazing service and amazing classes in a martial arts school. Three is personal relationships and hitting goals, right? That's something that I didn't mention before. We have to set goals and then hit those goals and monitor the student until they hit those goals. We did talk about that in my other stories about the race of attrition where people are quitting at the purple belt level. So where we have to really be on it so that those people see progress. Like when I take, I have to be, I have to be honest. I'm like a a little kid when I take my guitar lessons. Um, I'm like working hard all week long so that I can impress my guitar instructor who is teaching me how to play, because I feel like if I don't, he's going to be disappointed in me. And that's not everyone's mentality because they, some people's mentality is like, oh, I'm paying you, man. You know, I don't care what you think, but I care so much that I want to impress him. I'm like, oh, I got five thumbs up today, Nicole. I, I, he said, I did really good. You know, like, that's awesome. Like, and I was practicing and, you know, even she'll say to me, you haven't practiced as much this week. You better get on it because Joel's going to be mad at you. Like, I'm like, yeah, I've been, I'm, I I'm, fell asleep with my guitar the other day in my hand I woke up and I had my pick in my guitar. Like, that's kind of the mindset. And I want my students in the martial arts to care that much too, right? And um, that's so important. So th- those are those three steps to that. And then the other ones on customer service, quickly, five of them real fast, identifying the issue, establishing establishing communication, setting an appointment to talk in person or on the phone. Three, discuss issue in depth and decide on a desired solution. Four, setting a follow-up time. And five, making that solution a resolution so that you know that the, it's been resolved and the it's completed and the client is happy. Those are some main things that you really need to work on within your customer service funnel. Does that make sense?
1: Yeah. And and kind of what I would say on my end, if I had to uh, summarize it step-by-step on my, like, I guess my view of it's like um, the onboarding process is like extremely important. Like that's, that's where you have the expectations. That's where, you tell them like how to contact you and stuff like that. Like, I think that should be the number one priority. Like if you don't have you need to have like some sort of system for that. If you're using a software or program, you need to have a a system for that. Um, And then, you know, like we talked about identifying like when what's making people quit, uh, you know, maybe a few months in identifying a time frame and then kind of going upstream on some of the solutions right Uh, to prevent these problems from coming up like if you have a problem that keeps coming up like you want to find out why it's happening and you want to fix it so that new students that come in um you know don't experience the same the same problem uh and that takes a lot of uh less stress or mute because we're not having those issues anymore and that makes the client happier and which causes them to stay longer
0: yeah And and you know what, too, Gus, too, I think a lot of times business owners focus on things that they think make a difference, but in reality, they don't. Like, for example... um, When I had my school 10 years ago, I was very system based. We had a system for everything. If a person walked through the door and they had yellow shoelaces, we had a system to make them change it to white. Like there is the seven step process. And, you know, I trained my staff. And then later on in life, I realized like some of these systems that I had in place for the sake of having them in place were useless. They really didn't give me much benefit at the end of the day. So I needed to start looking at what was important, right? And it all boiled down to students being happy, learning, progressing, and moving forward and staying with us. And um, I, listen, everyone, I share my cell phone with everybody. I do it on Facebook. I do it on podcasts. I do it with all my clients have, I'll get texts, like my credit card didn't go through and I'll be like, well, why? You know, who is this? Because I don't store their number in my phone. Oh, it's Mrs. Smith. Okay. And uh, okay, great. That's fine. Okay. Mrs. Smith, this is what you need to do. Like I have, they have full access to me. Um, 24 seven, I don't necessarily answer 24 seven. And they know like they may text me at 11 o'clock at night. Um, I might text them back at 11. Um, but if I'm busy, I'll just wait till the very next day, but at least they know they're reaching me and then they could do it through my business software as well. So they have my business software. They could text me on, they could email me, or they could do it on my personal phone. Um, other schools would say, nah, I'm not doing that. And that they have every right not to. I know some of my friends refuse to share their personal cell. However, I look at it like, if I'm gonna save a student and motivate a student and keep them from quitting or make them happy or give them over the top customer service, then I'm happy to share my cell phone. Like, why, why wouldn't I? I mean, that's just my mindset. Why wouldn't I go out of my way to do whatever I can to have over the top service? I want to beat out the competition. I want to be better than them. You know, like that one parent said to me, the reason why we're with you is because you communicate so much and we know what's going on and and you have the app and you have the thing and this and that, right? So it's so essential for people to do that. Um, And, you know, I, I think that people forget that, This is a customer service business. It's not always your way or the highway. And um, yeah, there are some people that are just pains in the neck. Some people that have no right to call you and talk to you and complain to you. I said, listen, if you want to complain, um, do it on a Monday. Don't do it on a Saturday night at late at night, you know, like that kind of thing. But I rarely, rarely the, I've gotten two negative people text me on Facebook and one uh, emailed me or yeah, they emailed me. And that's the only two negative pieces of mail or email that I've got communications in the last 14 months, the only two. So that's pretty damn good. Everyone else is always sending me messages of praise, how happy they are, referring their friends, et cetera, et cetera. So that means that I'm doing good and that people are happy. And that's my goal because I'm noticing the last three months, I have um, renewed like 97% of my people that were up for renewal over the last three months, like no, hardly any quits at all. And I'm bringing in due to your great marketing efforts that you do from Lead Hunter Media, I'm bringing in, you know, 12, 20, 30 leads a, a, a week, you know, depending on the week and then getting 15 or 20 of them to take my free month special. And I'm converting half of those people into membership. So with no loss, I've been growing. I'm almost, almost. We're about twenty percent under the numbers being pre-COVID numbers because we lost sixty percent of our enrollment. We're literally back up to being only twenty percent under what we were before COVID. So we're almost twenty percent more. We're back to normal, and we're going to start growing again. And that's pretty insane, especially from what we've been through.
1: Yeah, that's amazing. And like you know, with everything that happened, it's it's great to finally uh, start seeing that stream, you know, going up yeah and, uh, you know using everything that we've learned and everything like that and you've always had a great uh retention process so
0: yeah um,
1: you know i'm sure you had to still go the extra mile during the COVID and stuff but uh you know you're able to um these new students that you're that you're bringing in you're, you're able to retain them so um you know we, we have a few minutes left here so anything else that you'd like to hit on that you think is important yeah yeah in steps without you know i know that we, we talked about a lot so Maybe you know a few, two, three uh, actions that people can take right now um, after watching this this podcast um, to increase their attention.
0: Well, first, I want to say one thing, and that's the first thing that I want to talk about is that how people seem to be different kinds of people now after COVID. Um, and maybe that's just the people that are coming through the door, but I, I don't care, you know, where they're located, you know, what nationality they are, whether they speak English or don't speak English and they come through my doors. I'm noticing people are much more appreciative of schools, martial arts schools that stayed open and stayed in business. And I think overall that we're still doing what we're doing. And by the way, the students that stayed with me were very appreciative of what we offered to them during the COVID shutdown via zoom and the classes and all the special events so I think everyone kind of shifted their perception of it. Yeah. It's just a karate school and we pay them and they owe us. They went back to that mindset of being like, wow, this is really cool that I'm a part of something bigger. I'm a better person. My kids got a better thing in their, their lives and, and I'm really happy and thankful. So I've noticed that shift over the last 16 months of the way people think. And and might might that virtually might be, uh, because of my customer service that I'm giving and how I'm acting and the access people have to me. But it's been like that for three years, but maybe it took a while for people to shift out of the, oh, it's just a business mentality to be like, wow, this is incredible. I'm part of something bigger. And that's what we have to build when it comes to our brand, if that makes sense.
1: Yeah, it's like you're showing them that like, hey, because everybody like, you know, people are a certain way, but once you you throw adversity, they can switch up on you just like that, and I'm sure you had oh, yeah. like that, uh, you know, and, you know, clients like that before. But what, like, and then you, you're over here. Yeah, you were going through adversity uh, with this whole thing, but you're still able to keep your composure and stay, and you know, stay communicated with your people. Um, yeah, and, and still provide, you know, go the extra mile for them. Uh, and I think people uh, really see that and appreciate that because like I said, everybody else would just switch up on you. Hey, you have a contract, you know, you got to pay uh, right. you know, stuff like that. So I think people will see that now and they, they appreciate that.
0: Well, that's kind of funny because um, I talked about that show, new Amsterdam and that guy has a saying that's, you know, what can I do to help? Like, that's my thing. Like, what can I do to help? Like, you know, I, Shean, um, we can't afford classes. I still haven't gotten a job. Well, what can I do to help? Well, we, you know, people are embarrassed. They don't want you to give them a handout, but I'm like, I have a few people that are in my school that haven't paid in months. And, um, I just let them train, uh, you know, because they're having a hard time and, and I'm able to do that because I'm a successful business owner or because I have the money to be able to afford to do it. And I didn't have to close up shop like a lot of these schools, but I'm always willing to help people and do whatever I can to help them. And I think it's quite evident that that's the kind of school that we are, that we care. And, and that's what's important to me because I've always cared. Like I've always gone out of my way to help my students grow. Um, I have people that are training with me that haven't trained with me in 15, 20 years and live in different states. And via Zoom, there's training again. One's in Florida, one's in South Carolina, some people are in Bermuda, one's in Puerto Rico, and they're training. Um, and they're, they remember, like, you know, you always did this for me, you always would sit with me when I was a kid, you did this and you did that. And I'm like, wow, that's cool that they remember. So we've always been that kind of school. So here's, here's I'll give you like a few quick action steps, and I know we got to close up the call. So I would, number one, analyze your quit rate. Take it over the last, if you can, if you have software, it's kind of easy, especially if you had Spark, you just plug it in and it'll tell you what you lost. But if you don't have that, and and if you do, print it out and see who quit. Um, if you don't have that, somehow go back and look at your clients and try to figure out how many people quit each month. It's irrelevant of what their names are right now, but it's more important that you know what program they were in, a basic program, whatever you do, a black belt club, how long they've been training and what belt they're at. Because then it'll let us know, um, if, we, if we built a graph out on uh, Excel and it said like student name um, program that we're in and belt level, and then when they quit, you'll be able to start seeing some trends within your school. Like, oh my God, I can't believe I lost all these white belts. Well, there's a problem in the white belt level, right? We're not getting them past that level. If your bulk of your quits are at white or it's blue, blue belt level. Oh my God, like everyone quits at blue. I can't get, let's start looking upstream and finding out what's wrong. Let's call those people up. Hey, you haven't heard from you in like a year and a half. Could you help me with something? I've been analyzing my data. And um, I noticed that a lot of my blue belts quit. What was the problem? Like what, what, what do you remember the issue being, right? And start analyzing and reviewing these stats, right? And that's the most important thing. Um, and then start putting in systems or things uh, so that you could then, this is the second thing you should do, start putting things in place to overcome those objections or the reasons why these people quit before they happen knowing that maybe it's just a mind shift that we got to get them to start thinking differently before their program is over. And we want to start that not two weeks before, but six months before the program starts, uh, finishes, right? We want to know ahead of time, like if people quit after being with your marketing company for six months and then they quit, we don't want to start talking to them at five months. We want to start training them at three months on how not to quit and why they need to push past and and letting them know the struggles that they're going to come up to. Um, The other thing, too, is take a quick self-inventory. If you feel you're not the greatest speaker, take some courses, go on YouTube and learn from certain people and and, um, watch speakers and and use their tips, read books, um, get a mentor, uh, get a a personal coach that could help you speak. Um, Or um, if you're not that much of a charismatic martial artist, learn what charismatic martial artists do and, and become an actor many actors are super shy people. Like you wouldn't think this because they could act in front of a camera and I've done a lot of acting. Um, And whenever I got in front of the camera and they said action, I was able to do what I needed to do. But before then, man, I was sweating, running lines in my head. I'd forget things. I auditioned one time for a American Express commercial and I just could not, the guy 10 times tried to get me to say like, yeah, yeah. four, four words. And then finally he's like, I, ah, he just can't remember like you, next. And and I walked out of there like, going, what an idiot I am. I was just so nervous. It's like when I take guitar lessons, when I took my first two or three lessons with this guy, Joel, um, he's such a great guitarist. I was so scared to play in front of him that I would make mistakes continuously. Like I look like an idiot. Um, Now I'm a little bit more relaxed and I'm able to talk to him and we have a conversation and I feel like I can make mistakes and not feel like an idiot. So that's really, really important. So these are things that you should do. You should go out and try to improve who you are and what you do and be better at it. If you can't close people on a sale, get better at selling. Learn the different techniques that masters in sales use to sell million dollar contracts or, you know, car salesman or whatever it is, just learn about that work on you. If don't blame it on your marketer, blame it on yourself so that you become better at sales. And you know what, then you're going to, let's say your marketer does suck, but you get 10 leads. Now you're going to close five more than you ever did because you're better at it. Right. You learn how to shift who you are and what you do. I mean, I could go on and on and on Gus, as you know, I could talk forever. Um, so, uh, you know, we're over time and uh, I guess we'll close it up now. But if anybody has any questions or they want to see some of those articles that I've written, uh just reach out to us on here and I'll be more than happy to send you a copy of the opening a can of worms and the other ones.
1: Yeah, you can just comment below, you know, uh, you know, opening a can of worms below uh, and then we'll, we'll send you the, the article. Um, and we will also be putting our podcast version, sure, And I'll probably put it down below in the comments. So if y'all want to go to that uh, and, uh, you know, download it on iTunes or Spotify, any of the other platforms you want, you want to listen to that um, you can do that as well. But other than that, I think, you know, we give some uh, there's some good golden nuggets there that you mentioned, Ellie, and that people yeah. can uh, kind of take advantage of. Cause I know like, you know, re- retention, like you want to be uh, retaining more people while you bring new people in Otherwise, you're just kind of putting all this marketing effort for no reason. You know, you're like, yeah. in, you're 50/50. You lose, you know, the same amount of students that you gain. You're kind of stuck in that in that mode, which is like very frustrating for a lot of people. So.
0: Yeah. And by the way, I want to thank, uh, we we have uh, only a few sponsors, which basically are companies that we own. So we're, one of our companies is your company, Lead Hunter Media, um, and you're a digital marketing firm and you sponsor our podcast and you also do content. You provide content for school owners um, that when they're at a standstill and they don't have material to post on their social media, you supply them with all that content so that they don't have to think about it. You give them the articles and the theories and all this stuff that's so they should look into your leadhuntermedia.com page um and then also elite insights which is my website development company that i have but we have many other people that we're talking to that want to come on as sponsors to our podcast um and if you are one of them just reach out to us and we'll talk about it and we'll you know work on getting you out there to the public and trying to influence people to use your product so um gus thank you so much man it's always great seeing you all the way from texas right yeah, yeah. yeah and uh and uh how's the weather by the way warm or cold uh, it's kind of bipolar. well it's
1: like 60 degrees which is like cold for us but i'm sure that's nothing for y'all
0: yeah oh. i think uh, i think we're at a little bit in in like the 50s to 60s weather's starting to change rapidly i already set my appointment to open my swimming pool so i'm in heaven even if i'm just sitting around the pool before i can <laughs> swim in it but I'm um, super excited for summer to come and uh, to do some amazing things. So I'm, I'm excited to be here with you. And I want to thank everyone for listening. Uh, I appreciate all of you. And arigato gozaimasu. And text me on, or inbox me on, uh, on Facebook if you have a question or you want to talk.
1: Awesome. Awesome. Well, thank you all. We'll see you all next week. Uh, Take care. Thank you for watching and listening. Thanks, Gus. See you soon. Bye. Bye. Bye.